Hello everyone, welcome to Celtic Preacher, it is podcast 199. And you know how every week we look at a passage in the scripture, usually the New Testament, and uh, we look at the wisdom of Jesus. Well, the more I read about the conversations Jesus had with people, uh, the more I think, much, much of the time, Jesus doesn't tell us so much to do something. Many times he's giving observations on how life works. Just something to, you know, pay attention to, because once you see it, you'll see it all over the place. He doesn't really tell you to do something. He's just saying, look at this. Look at this. If you want to learn how to live your best life, you might want to consider this. And then he'll give the teaching, you know, whatever it is, whatever the point is. And I think that most people want this. And this idea of the, we want to live our best life. And it doesn't matter if you're religious or in the church or not in the church or whatever. This is just so common to people that we know, right? I mean, most, most of the people we know want to figure out how to live their best life because people want happiness and they want purpose and they want meaning and we want good loving nurturing relationships don't we and it seems to me that you know when you look at jesus teaching it's all about this you know he was the one that had this great line he said i have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Well, we all have life, right? Because we're breathing, we're living, we're here, right? But abundant life he's talking about? When he says, I've come that you might have abundant life, that seems to me to be more than just getting by. Abundant life to me seems like he's saying, no, I have more for you than just, you know, trying to get through as best you can. And I think that when he talks about abundant life, he's not talking about the kind of things that money can buy. And I know that money, of course, is really important, right? It's necessary. And uh, certainly, if, if we don't have enough, then it's a, it's a big worry. But if you do have enough money, uh, you'll already know this. If you have enough, whatever money gives you, you know, it gives you a temporary pleasure, right? So it's really nice to buy a new car or it's really nice to, I don't know, buy something that you've really wanted or eat whatever you want or, but, and these are good things. I don't want to put them down because I think they're important and they're good and they're gifts. But when I think about abundant life, I think that he's talking about things that we can't buy, things like, you know, freedom from fear, living without fear. Well, we can't buy that, can we? You can't buy a life of freedom without fear. You can't buy a sense of security, right? If you're in a, if you're in a relationship and it's just a bit shaky because you don't really trust the person, you can't buy security. You can't buy peace of mind. It's not going to happen. So money is very limited, although it's important, 
Money is very limited in what it can actually give us. So when Jesus speaks about, I've come that you might have life, I think he's saying, you know, I have so much more for you than you anticipate. I've got so much more for you than, than you've even thought. In fact, interestingly enough, in the Greek New Testament, that word abundant life, that word abundant, perison is the original word. It means more than what you anticipate or expect. He's saying, I want abundant life for you. And it is the kind of life that you can't even anticipate nor expect. It's like a, it's like a different way of living. Different kind of, a different quality. Maybe that's a good way of saying it. A different quality of life. So today, there's a story we're looking at. It's in Luke's Gospel, and it's, it's an account of the healing of 10 lepers. And like I said at the beginning, I don't really think it's a story that has a moral as in, you know, go do this and you'll be okay, you know. I don't think it's that. I think it's more of an observation on the way life works. And... Uh, so let me just tell you this very briefly, the story. The story is, is that Jesus is, is with his disciples and he's traveling through a region between Samaria and Galilee. And that's the, the only reason that that's important is because it's an area that was, would normally be avoided in ancient times. Um, you know, people were very strict on what lands they went into and what lands they avoided. Well, sort of similar today in some ways. And, uh, and Jesus, on the other hand, sort of <laughs> did his own thing when it came, when it came to uh, speaking to people he should speak to or not speak to or going into areas that he, you know, ought not to go in as a good ancient Jew, all these sorts of things as a good ancient rabbi. He disregarded all of that because he's always after people and, you know, he sees people for people, for who they are usually in need, usually wanting, always broken, always broken. So anyway, this day he enters this village and 10 lepers cry out to him and they ask, Master, they say, have mercy on us. And the idea, I mean, what they're saying, it they cry out to him because, of course, lepers in those days had to keep their distance and uh, they couldn't go near anyone else. They lived in their own colonies. And so they're crying out in the hope of some sort of help. And Jesus said to them, go and show yourself to the priests. Now, that's a strange thing for us to hear, but not so strange in those days, because in those days, if you had a skin disease, and if you were healed or cured of that, you had to go to the priest to get the okay to go back into society, to go back to the family, to go back into the community. So all Jesus says to them is, uh, they say, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. Doesn't say that they're healed at this time. Doesn't say that they're cured of their leprosy. He just says, 
go and check in with the priest. And basically what happened, I guess, was as they are walking to the priest, as they are going to see the priest, that's when this cure takes place, which is kind of a fascinating thing, right? I mean, when they ask for help, they're not healed in that precise moment, right? They have to take him at his word, and he says, go and check in with the priest. They follow through on that. They trust him. They say, well, he must be telling us to do the right thing. And they go to the priest, and they ask the priest for permission to go back into society, and they got it because they're healed. Now, it's kind of a small detail, but it's, it's always in the small details that you find the treasures. Um, if they didn't believe what he said, they wouldn't have gone on to see the priest, right? So there's something about this encounter with Jesus that they think, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to go. We're going to go speak to the priest. We're going to show ourselves to the priest. So they all trust what he says. And remember that word faith and trust, they're exactly the same, they're interchangeable. So they're all saying, yeah, okay. And this line is, as they went, they were made clean. Or we would say today, as they're walking to the priest, they're healed. The cure happens. Now, the reason that I, I pause on this, because there's another bit to the story, but I want to tell you, pause on this part first. I think there's a really important lesson here because it's as they begin to walk to see the priest, as they, as they take that first step, that's when something starts to change and happen to them. And so much of our emotional, our spiritual life is like this. We, we don't wait until we feel like we can, let's say, forgive before we decide to forgive, right? Why? Because we would be waiting forever because our feelings might never catch up to what our will wants, right? So we, we don't wait until we feel like we can release something or let someone go or not be so controlling, um, we, we don't wait until we're in that place. We begin in spite of what our thoughts tell us. We don't wait until we're without fear before we do the thing that we need to do or say the thing that we need to say, that thing that requires courage. We, we, just, we just take a step and we just do it. We just do it. Even if we're scared, we pick up the phone or we go see the person. We just do it. We move ahead and we're just trusting that God's going to meet us in the process, in the moment. And that is a, I think it's, it's not an easy lesson. None of them are easy. What is an easy lesson, right? 
uh, it's not an easy lesson, but I think it is the way life is. Because we often want guarantees, you know, before we do something, before we move into action, uh, you know, we want a guarantee that it's going to work out, we're going to be successful, and everything's going to go the way that we would like it to go. And here, uh, the passage, the story sort of saying, no, 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 no. Now, life doesn't work that way at all. You've got to start walking. You've got to start walking. You, you need to begin the task. Well, what if I fail? Or what if it doesn't work? Or what if nothing happens? Yeah, you, you, you need to start walking. You need to start walking. Not thinking about walking. Just going ahead. Begin the task. Make the change. Change direction. Whatever, whatever you're hesitant to do, if you feel that it's the right thing to do, and you're pretty sure you should be moving ahead on something, but you're a wee bit apprehensive, yeah, Jesus would say, go ahead, trust. Trust. I mean, that's what trust is. We can't be waiting around for our hearts to catch up with our heads sometimes, that's for sure, right? So the story continues that by the time they get to the, the priest, they're all healed, of their, they're all cured of their leprosy. All of them, all 10 of them. And uh, of course, no doubt, overcome with joy and because they're allowed to go back to their families. And uh, we, we never really hear of them again, except for this one. There, there's one who doesn't immediately return to his loved ones. There's just one. He is compelled to return and talk to Jesus, thank Jesus. And he happens to be a Samaritan, which means nothing to us, but in those days it would be the least likely person that you would expect could teach you a lesson, a life lesson, on anything. You know how there's certain people in your life you think, no, I'm not gonna be able to learn anything from that one. Yeah, that would be the Samaritan in those days. He was the outsider, he was the wrong race, he was the wrong religion. Uh, nobody would be expecting this guy to be the star of the story, which is always one of Jesus' favorite things. It's always the underdog that ends up being the hero. And uh, so, yeah, this Samaritan, uh, he wants to go back and talk to Jesus. And he's the one that's sort of going to be the, the heat, like I said, the hero in this story. And it's so interesting with these old texts that the Samaritan, you know, sometimes our life lessons are learned from people or circumstances or failure, things that we just don't expect. So sometimes the the best lessons come from circumstances that we don't like or people we don't like or failure that we try to forget. Sometimes the best, uh, er the, the areas of growth are the least likely ones that we would ever think. You know, it would be the person who helps you the most, 
maybe the one who unsettles you in some way. But in the end, because you have this pain in the neck in your life, you have become a better, stronger person because you've got the pain in the neck in your life, right? It's, it's, it seems to be that that's the, the way that life works. Or maybe it's like this. The, the things that we avoid, the people we avoid, can hold the key to our inner freedom. Now, we're not always going to be in the mood to go there or listen to that or receive it in any form. But every so often, there'll be a little chink in our armor where the ego isn't so scared. And then we'll think, yeah, you know what? That very thing I've been avoiding, I think that if I start to move toward this, ultimately, this is going to be really good for me. Yeah, see where I'm going with that? So the Samaritan in the story is the least one you would expect to do the right thing. So what did he actually do? Well, he went back. He went back to Jesus and he prostrates himself at his feet and he thanks him. So obviously, if you're lying down in front of someone, I mean, you are. I don't know if I've ever, ever done that. I don't think I ever have. Um, so what kind of thanks, what kind of thanksgiving's that when you're, when you're lying at someone's feet? Of course, it could be a cultural thing, right? Maybe they were a lot more demonstrative than we are. But anyway, the point is, is that he's really, really, really thankful, right? And it's like Jesus said, well, where's the other nine? As in the majority, like there was 10 of you. There's 10 and only one returns. Hmm, that's interesting. The majority get on with their life. And one has a need to come back. And here's what Jesus said to him. It's so fascinating. He says to the Samaritan, go on your way. Your faith, your trust has made you well. Well, it's like, well, he's already been cured, right? Yeah, he has. He's already been cured. So here's another, it's like another level of healing. He says, go on your way. Your, your trust has made you well. So like 10 of them are all cured with their leprosy. And one of them, one of them, it's like one of them gets a, a measure of healing or wholeness that the others don't have. Isn't that fascinating? It's like there's different levels of healing. Like there's the skin disease, and that needs healed. And then there's something underneath that, and then something underneath that, and then something underneath that, right? Now, the, the nine who got the, got the cure, so to speak, and, and they didn't do anything wrong. I mean, they just... Jesus didn't say, go to the priest, make sure that you're cured and then come back and thank me. They didn't really do anything wrong. They just went about their life, right? It's like, wow, that's really great. I don't have that problem anymore. And off they went to enjoy life. Yeah, we're cured. Fine. Great. Let's get on with life now. Uh, 
But this one who returns, he didn't give thanks because he was told to. He did it because I think it's, that's, that's who he was. I mean, it wasn't forced. You can't fake this. This isn't like saying, now go tell Jesus thank you. You know, you have to say thank you. You have to be grateful. You have to be, no, 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 I don't think it's that at all. I don't think it's, I think it's who he, I think it's who he was. It's like the blessing that comes from recognizing the blessing. Right? So there's the good thing that happens in your life, whatever the good thing is. There's a, there's a good thing that happens, and that's amazing, and it's wonderful, and you love it, and it's a wonderful thing that's happened. And then there's another blessing that comes from recognizing the blessing. It's like a deeper insight. It's like a deeper appreciation. The nine others, the majority, was like, great, we're cured, this is fantastic, let's get on with life. Off they go. And then this one is like, yeah, I'm really, really thankful, I'm cured, but I gotta go back and I have to acknowledge this. I have to acknowledge this at a deeper level. He had a different life quality. Um, and then Jesus says, yeah, well, yeah, you're, you are living in a different place, you know, because you have a heart of gratitude and, um, don't think it's going to be something that's taught, you know, I don't think this can be something that's taught. I mean, I know that you can say to the kids, you know, now say thank you. And yeah, that's fine. That's just, uh, manners and whatnot. But this is a different sort of thing. This is uh, an insight. This is a more of an, an insight into, uh, you can sort of pause and savor and enjoy and reflect. Say, wow, this is so great, this gift I have. This is such a good thing. What? I, I got to stop and just give thanks to the giver. I just, I need to just acknowledge and give thanks to the giver. There's something about that, the blessing that comes afterwards. There's something about that, that there's, bless, there's the blessing, there's the good thing that happens, there's the good gift that happens, and then there's the blessing that recognizes that. I think that's why Jesus said, you know, you've got to keep your eyes open because most people, most of us are like the nine and we're really happy when the good stuff happens and, you know, it's really great. And, but, you know, then we're on to the next thing, you know. Well, that was cool. That was great. That worked out well. This is good. Okay, now what's next? How can I secure this? How can I get more life? How can I be happy? How can I keep the happiness? How can I, how can I, you know what I mean? There's not a whole lot of just stopping and thinking, I, 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 think, I, I think I just want to bask in this for a minute and thank the giver of the gift or the gifts. 
Now, Jesus said that when one, when this comes to us, we're, we're living in a whole new level. We're, we're healed in a, in a whole new way. You know, your faith has made you well. Well, I thought I was already cured. Yeah, you were cured, but let me tell you, when you start to see life this way, you're going to be healed in a whole new way. Something to think about, isn't it? Something to ponder. You know, that, you know, how thankful are we? Um, I think so many times I'm like the nine. It's like, oh, great. Yeah, let's move on. That was good. Let's go on to the next thing. And, uh, and yet one took the time to stop and recognize and go back and fall down in Thanksgiving. <laughs>